good afternoon and welcome to your DIY Health Radio here on the Spreaker Radio Network and simulcasting on free conference call. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It's Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. And this program is meant to provide natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I search for and present to my listeners natural modalities that simply assist and augment the body's ability to heal itself. And with that in mind, we invite you to check out the website, yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health, H-E-A-L-T-H, yourdiyhealth.com. There's all kinds of information there. All the products we talk about are there, including the terahertz frequency devices, which are featured prominently at the top of the homepage. And we encourage you to check those out. If you have any questions, hit the contact me button, send an email, call and leave a message. And we'll get back with you as quick as we can do everything we can to get your questions answered, get you on the right track. Also, while you're on the site, be sure and hit the radio shows tab. At the top of the page is the link to the archive page set up to castbox.fm. And then if you right below it is the rumble button. Clicking that will take you right to our Rumble page that we set up in October, and all the shows we've done since October have been there, or are there. And we encourage you to follow the page, like the videos, and uh, that way other more people find out about it and learn how to restore their health naturally, rather than using dangerous drugs, surgery, and lethal injections, also referred to as vaccines. Now, uh, and you scroll down a little further, you'll see the information on the shows we do, when they're on, and how you listen. And at the bottom of the page is the link to the Facebook page set up for the show, as well as the Telegram channel. Now, keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests, and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Spreaker Radio Network, Free Conference Call, uh, Rumble, any of the other platforms we're on, or any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in the show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping-off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. All righty then. Um, for quite some time, you know, there's been some people asking me to uh, replay the interview I did with Marty Oakley on senior abuse, and I have located the file and it's uh it'll take up almost the entire show so i'm going to go ahead and get that started now and um, i think you will find it very interesting and informative and infuriating as well so here we go this is an article or, or interview i did with marty oakley on senior abuse quite some time ago but it's still valid today here we are Sorry, I should have queued it up to when we first got started, but <laughs> that's life. Well, good afternoon and welcome to your DIY Health here on the Eurofolk Radio Network. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. And this program is meant to present nutritional information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find see one. see if I can scroll forward a little bit here. You're carrying any kind of a health or wealth issue. The baby holding an AR. Um, Gates are uh, kind of splitting the thing. Gates is buying up all the... In their churches, they can never... They know that they're breaking. Nobody on that panel ever even bothered to... 
also terminate the guardianship when the person's condition improves or he or she no longer requires the help of a guardian. The person's support systems improve and less restrictive alternative can, uh, can be used to meet the individual's needs. And there is evidence to show that the person does not need a guardian. The individual can petition the court and request that the guardianship be terminated or at least modified to regain some of the rights. Oh my goodness. And here's uh, the Stu Peters thing. Let's see how long this is. Jesus, please bless our work here today. Uncensored, unafraid, and unstoppable, June 22nd, 2022. Welcome to the Stu Peters Show. My name is Stu. We've brought you a lot of stories in the past couple of months about how CPS is used to rip apart and destroy families. But you literally don't even have to have children for social services to swoop in and ruin your life. There's an entire vast underbelly of our legal system, which most people know nothing about, that can be used to manipulate and abuse and completely ruin any person without warning. Karen Federighi learned about this seven years ago when she was living a totally normal life as a registered nurse working at a Florida hospital. But then her father passed away and left her a large sum of money, and that's when the state came in to destroy Karen's life. One day in January 2016, Karen heard a knock at her door. When she answered it, she was met by state police who informed her that she was now a ward of the state. Even though Karen lived on her own, she had a job, she was supporting herself, a jealous family member got a three-person panel to declare that, in fact, Karen was mentally incompetent and unable to handle her own affairs. Nobody on that panel ever even bothered to check if Karen was employed, by the way. So on the basis of zero evidence, zero facts, Karen was essentially kidnapped by state police. Her car, her pets, all of her personal possessions confiscated. She lost control of all of her finances, making it basically impossible for her to travel because she couldn't buy anything. So for a two-year period, Karen had to live in a motel and wash her clothes in the bathtub. She had to beg her state-appointed guardian, who she says was a convicted felon, by the way, to give her even a small amount of money to buy food. Well, when Karen tried to escape by fleeing the state, police chased her down and then threw her into an assisted living home against her will. Essentially, Karen was only able to escape because some good Samaritan heard about her plight online and wired her additional money to help her get out of Florida and resettle in Los Angeles. But even after all of that, though, Karen's troubles were far from over. The legal struggle to regain control of her life drained all of her money. She lost her home. She lost her job. She lost basically everything. And now the courts have told her that the only way that she can have access to her inheritance, to that fortune, is if she signs a legal form stating that she will not use any of the funds to sue the people who did this to her. Insane. Thanks to what happened to her, Karen is now one of the leaders at USA Citizens Guardianship Task Force, which is fighting to change America's guardianship laws and procedures to make sure that government-backed kidnappings can never happen again. Karen Federighi joins us now. Karen, thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it. I mean, your story sounds like a fictional movie plot. It is. Thank you for having me, Stu. I appreciate it. First of all, I'd like to say um, your assistant, Elizabeth, asked me if I wish to remain anonymous. And I said, absolutely not. 
it's my personal belief that if one remains anonymous, it will hinder others from coming forward and telling their, their story. And so I think it's very important for me to come out and tell the truth, show my face, give my real name, so that others will have the courage to come forward and speak out also. Yeah, I mean, it certainly takes a lot of courage. Unfortunately, in today's times of doxing and cancel culture and harassment and murder, uh, to speak out against organizations like CPS and social services. So take us through this. I mean, how did you end up in the custody of the state? Uh, like you said, Stu, I happen to inherit a large sum of money. Um, estranged sisters of mine who lived in Illinois uh, didn't want me to benefit from my inheritance. So they filed fraudulent papers through a Naples attorney. I was never notified that any legal proceedings were taking place. And on January 22nd, that was, uh, you know, days after the judge signed the order stripping me of all of my rights, get a knock on the door and I'm literally kidnapped or to the state. And one thing I want to mention, um, I found a couple other victims in Collier County, Peggy Dupree. Betty Gosnell, their sons were kidnapped into fraudulent guardianships. In 2020, while we were working our business, we were researching cases, including our own, and we found that this is a huge racketeering ring. Our three cases involve the same main players, the same uh, social worker, caseworker from DCF, same judges, same lawyers, Collier County Sheriff. Um, it's unbelievable. You were working your own job. You were a registered nurse, an RN. You went to school. You were taking yes. care of yourself. You were taking care of pets, it sounds like. Yes. You had your mm -hmm. possessions in order. You were given this money. Now, when your father passed away and he left this money for you, um, how did the jealous, estranged sisters become jealous? Were they not left any money? Did dad say, I don't think that they're deserving or responsible enough to have it, but yet... You are, Karen? No. Um, the thing of it is, is uh, the three of us, me and my two sisters, we each received a third of the inheritance. Okay. So you the each got a third, but they wanted your third. And that's exactly, why they did this. Exactly. Exactly. So instead, your third, along with taxpayer dollars, were used to fund your own kidnapping. And basically, you were extorted and held hostage yes. while they then soaked you of everything that was meant to be left for you. Right. And the courts, the guardian, the lawyers, they all were paid out of my estate. I mean, that's just, it's theft. Yeah. And right now I have nothing, nothing. I have no car. Um, I'm in the process of moving to a place I can afford. I was in perfectly good health before this all happened. And because of the constant legal abuse, um, right now I'm left with a destroyed immune system and autoimmune diseases. Unbelievable. It, this has totally ruined my life. And this is a huge crime ring. People don't realize uh, what can happen to them. Anyone, you, Anyone you know, it could happen to them. Uh, for example, Department of Children and Families, which includes CPS and um, Adult Protective Services, they receive federal funding from the government. And when DCF 
get somebody into their custody, they receive additional federal funding for each person they make a ward of the state. And so uh, it's a huge racketeering uh, business uh, involving the sheriffs, the police, the judges, and um, lawyers and guardians. So and it, you're, you're supposed to be entitled to this third of your inheritance to your fortune. Uh, and now Correct. they're saying that the only way that you can have this is if you sign a document saying that you will not sue the people that did this to you. So obviously, they, they, obviously they know that they did wrong. They know that they're breaking the law. Absolutely. And, you know, this racket involves uh, medical fraud, insurance fraud, Medicaid, Medicare fraud, Social Security fraud. Um, you know, it, it's terrible. So are you going to sign the document? Are you going to allow them to? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm, I'm begging to our, fir our firm, my, uh, my two business partners and I, we desperately need a lawyer so we can sue DCF. We want to sue them and the, uh, the agencies that did this to us, meaning the sheriffs and the courts. Well, I mean, I think it's really commendable and it substantiates your story tremendously that you're willing and to turn down that kind of money based on principle that you're not going to sign the form that you're not going to sue them because no, it's actually your intent to sue the hell out of these people. Right. And lawyers are afraid to touch these cases. Lawyers are afraid they'll be disbarred or sanctioned or they demand like um, a $40,000 retainer fee. Um, and, and our cases, our three cases combined into a RICO would earn a lawyer, a law firm taking our case millions of dollars. We have proof of millions of dollars of fraud. Unbelievable. Uh, the USA Citizens Guardianship Task Force, where can people find that agency and, you know, give money to your cause if they feel so compelled? Okay, uh, we have a GoFundMe account. And you can also find us on Facebook under USA Citizens Guardianship Task Force. We're urging people to sign our petition to Congress. You type in petition, the number two, congress.com. And then in the search bar, you can type in abolish guardianship. And our petition is from February 17th. We initially had 40,000 plus signatures and the powers that be don't want us to get to Congress. So they electronically erased most of the signatures. We have, I think now like 584, something like that. Well, they're that. getting really good at erasing things. They're erasing votes, they're erasing vaccine injuries, and now they're erasing exactly. signatures on petitions. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, um, the public can protect themselves by signing our petition, um, you know, so their names on record that they're aware, you know, that this is a racket and crimes are being committed. All right. Petition the number two congress.com petition to congress.com. Karen, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Coming up next on the Stu Peters show. You're All righty. That brought back memories. Um, during that playback, I was able to go through the archives of ex-wife number three because I had a, a guest on my show over there back on January 4th of 2018. Uh, lady's name is Marty Oakley. Uh, she used to appear on um, Joyce Riley's show every once in a while.
and I had her on as a guest on my show, and uh, she specializes in the same kind of program, but with elder abuse. This is a huge system where the hospice system has been co-opted into a way to basically take all the funds away from people that are in hospice. They uh, do the same thing where if someone in hospice has uh, uh, large sums of money, they will get a uh, court to appoint a guardian over them, which will basically suck all that money out of their accounts. And eventually, when there's no money left, then they'll deliver a kill shot, and the person will allegedly die of you know old age, natural causes, uh, because there's no one ever, uh, you know, when someone's old, they never look into those things. They don't do autopsies or toxicologies to see what was in their system at the time of their death. Um, you know, large amounts of uh, morphine or fentanyl or something like that. But this is a growing problem. And um, let's see who... Oh. <laughs> uh, one of the people in the uh, chat room just sent me a private message saying that they have been, been in contact with Marty. Um, yeah, it just... I had no idea. You know, when I first clicked on this article, I wasn't sure what was going on. But it triggered my memory, and I remember having Marty Oakley on, and I had I, I couldn't remember when. Unfortunately, I have all my replays of all my previous shows, but I don't have them annotated. I just have the date that they were on. Luckily, I was able to go into the archives at um, uh, Truth Frequency, ex-wife number three, as Roger refers to him. And luckily, uh, I started my shows back in 2015, and every show that I've done over there is still archived, and luckily I have my the show notes there. I'm going to have to go back and copy all those things for each of the shows just so I have a little bit more update. Um, but I was able to go through them, and finally, uh, starting in 2015, made it to 2018, where I saw uh, the show with Marty Oakley and Elder Abuse. And um, if you guys are interested, I can play that um, maybe, well, I can't do it tomorrow, Um but uh, maybe next week we could play part of it because I think it was probably an hour-long interview. Um, but it was rather interesting, and she goes into all the details and where the lawyers are afraid to get involved. Um, and and it literally could happen to anybody. That's, that's the scary part. Um, and once it happens, it's very, very difficult because the family, you know, many times... Um, Rather in this case, where it was a, um, a disgruntled family member, many other times it's just someone else who is part of the system and uh, does a check and sees that you've got uh, assets. And then they come in and start this process and basically push the family away where they have absolutely no rights whatsoever. And uh, then the system drains everything and the family is left with nothing. And, of course, the family is totally ostracized from the patient so that um, the patient is basically left kind of in the situation that, you know, all the, the people in nursing homes found themselves with COVID, where family members couldn't visit, they couldn't come and see them, they couldn't even look in the windows and wave to them. Uh, that's how far, you know, basically they would get court orders to keep the family from seeing the individual involved. And it was all geared towards a system of sucking the assets out of dying people and keep taking it away from the rightful heirs. And uh, 
basically it was just a great big theft ring and it uh it started out with um you know hospice started out as a rather decent thing but quickly just like you know like my gaddy's talked on the thursday shows like the uh american uh, pow's the um the minuteman the um tea party movement all of those things were great programs and then very quickly were co-opted by the republican party and this is the same thing here where hospice was started out as a good idea but was very quickly co-opted by people who saw it as a way to capitalize on death. And they would basically, if someone was not in hospice, they'd find a way to get them in hospice. And once that happened, then they had total control and would take over the people's uh, assets and just drain them dry. And like it's like vampires, suck them dry and then move on to the next one. And, um, and it's yep. scary stuff. You know, it, it brought back flashbacks uh, from what I heard Marty Oakley talk about on. Uh... Yeah, Gary. Well, I'm just wanting to key in. You may know it already, but what you're describing, the Bible calls Corban. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked about it on Rogers so in the past. Yep, it's Corban. So it's been going on for a lot of years. Yep. yep. No doubt or doubt it. And uh, I'm hoping this will get to the point where we're talking to Marty Oakley here. I can't remember. I should. I, I just had the recording that I pulled. But uh, I'm going to get it started back up here because it's just going to run through the whole show. Uh, on uh, Joyce's show, and then when, she, then when I was able to have her on mine. Um, let me see here. Um... Get this program up. Oh, why does it keep doing that? Uh, come on. Ah, it's doing weird stuff here. Oh, good morning. Welcome to your DIY Health Radio here on the Truth Frequency Radio Network. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It's Thursday. You know, someone that you know in a nursing home or in a senior uh, care center, or in hospice, you'll definitely want to pay close attention to the show today. And this show hits home for me because both of my parents died while in the so-called care of the medical community. My dad was going back and forth between a hospital and a uh, nursing facility, and uh, he broke his, uh, broke his leg in August of uh, 2006, he left that day when he went, uh, he went to the hospital to have the uh, bone set and he never came home after that. He was going back and forth at that point from the hospital to the nursing facility, back to the hospital, back to the nursing facility for six months. And on December 21st of 2006 at about I think it was around 4 o'clock in the afternoon, best I can tell. <coughs> Some moron doctor decided that he needed a flu shot, or at least that's the official line. And by 5 o'clock the following morning, my dad was dead. World War II veteran went ashore at uh, Normandy, was captured during the Battle of the Bulge, and spent the rest of the war basically hiking all over eastern Germany and Poland from one prison camp to another. 
survived all of that, come home, raise a family, uh, reach retirement, slip down the stairs, break a leg, and then die at the hands of the medical deities. My mom, on the other hand, she stayed at home. She was in pretty good shape right up to um, early 2016. And it got to the point where she could not take care of herself. And my brother, who is, uh, has a form of Asperger syndrome and uh, basically was admitted into a nursing facility. And after a month or so, um, my sister, who was basically there in town with her, take, you know, keeping track of things, called in hospice. And on the evening of, I believe it was March 9th, 2016, the supposed story is the charge nurse at the nursing home gave her a, a painkiller. Now, I don't know if it, I believe it was an injectable, but I'm not positive. But within half an hour, she was dead. And you're going to hear testimony today, or not testimony, but you're going to hear accounts today from Marty Oakley uh, discussing those kind of things where once the system has basically milked as much as it can out of the person, they become more of a liability than an asset. And then it's time to clear the bed and make room for a new asset. So, like I said, this kind of rings home to me. I'm, I'm, I would love to be able to uh, prove what took place with my parents. But, of course, in the case of my dad, even if I could prove it, they're alleging that he was given a flu shot, which, because it is on the um, childhood vaccination schedule, the doctors who administer it or any so-called healthcare worker who administers it along with the companies that produce it are given blanket immunity. So no matter what happens, even though it was a stupid medical decision on the part of this moron doctor, there's nothing I could have done even had I caught it in time. You know, because, you know, it's questionable whether the statute of limitations would have applied here because it could be alleged that it was a negligent homicide or a murder or something like that, which in case there would be no uh, statute of limitations. But even if there wasn't, because that vaccination is on the childhood vaccine schedule, they're untouchable. And that in and of itself is absolute insanity. If these things are so safe and effective as they claim to be, then there should be no need for anybody to be given blanket immunity for the mere purpose of producing these things or administering them. But that's the way things are in this country right now. People who mistakenly believe it's still the land of the free and home of the brave, I'd say it's the land of the fee and home of the slave, and it's our own fault. We've allowed this to happen over the years. And it's time to start waking up to being to what's being done to us because we're all aging. Regardless of where you are in life now, sooner or later, you will come to the point where you are up in years and somebody makes a decision 
that you can't live on your own. Whether that be a friend, a family member, a court, uh, the government, the medical system. It's hard to say who will do it, but you can rest assured it'll probably happen sometime in your lifetime. And the reason I have her on this program, you know, I heard her on another show the other day, which prompted me to contact her and get her on my show. And one of the callers called in after hearing everything that was going on and said, what can we do? And it was a good question because when you're in that situation, it's usually too late to ask that question. It's better to ask it ahead of time. And that's what this program is all about. Number one, avoiding the so-called mainstream medical system as much as you possibly can. Number two, making sure that your health is your responsibility and that you take care of it while you are healthy. And three, giving yourself the 90 essential nutrients that will maintain that health for years and years and years. The key here is not playing their game in the first place. Too many people, they're on the path. They start out, they go to their doctor when they're in their late 20s, early 30s, and all of a sudden, oh, we got to put you on blood pressure medication. I'm going to see if I can fast forward here and try and figure out where the... That uh, feed... What? Here we go. I think this is the beginning. Let's go ahead. That uh, feed right into what we're going to be talking about today. So rather than listening to me, I want to uh, just go ahead and take off and give us a rundown of uh, the kind of stuff that you're being involved in and what you've seen. Well, what you're talking about is very common today. And this all comes part as part of um, Obamacare. Now, lest people think it was all Obama. No, it was not. This This whole system has been incrementally put into place over about the last 20 years through various presidencies, uh, little pieces and parts of it, all of it to become fully functional and effective at the same time Obamacare did, which is October of 2014. The program you're talking about, the policy within Obamacare that this deals with is based on the pathway system they tested out in England. And before anybody realized what they were doing, they had euthanized over 1,300 senior people in the London area. And what it is, is it's just a culling. It is a genocide. They don't want to take care of the elderly people. Uh, here in our country, this is also tied to the federal government and its constant raiding of the surplus on Social Security, which they've done since the Johnson administration. They now owe, the government owes the people involved in Social Security investors, the claimants, almost $4 trillion. They have no intention of paying that money back and have no way to pay it back. And you'll hear them refer to it as the greatest unfunded liability we have. It's unfunded because there's, they stole it to begin with. Um, they, this is not something they can go back. They'd have to come back to us and tax us again to refund what they've taken. And they they can't do that without being outed for what they've done. We've had this used this money used for everything to pay for wars. And initially, 
by Johnson used it to um, fund the Vietnam War, made the general fund, the Social Security fund, available to the general fund, and every president since then has tapped Social Security. And now they're presenting it to the public as though it's some kind of free entitlement. Uh, people who are claiming on Social Security, for the most part, have been paying into it for 30, 40, 50 years. This is not entitlement in the sense of we didn't work for it, but give it to us anyway. We invested right. in this. And we can still be made to pay taxes today, uh, depending on how much money we make. And so, but this is this is the biggest drive behind that. The reason we as elderly people have been described as the silver tsunami, you know, uh, this terrible thing that's coming that's going to wreck all of you. It's very important to convince the public that we represent some kind of a threat. Because right. without that, see, then you have to stand up and say, well, yeah, we did take the money, but we, we never intended to pay that back. And uh, too bad for all of you. So it is a system of getting rid of us. Um, what I see with Obamacare and all of the plans that were put in place before that is just simply a system of medical murder condoned by the government. It's actually set up and funded by the government. Rather than take care of us like they promised, um, they want rid of us. They, they want us gone. We're disposable, we're expendable, and we're costing the government money. Wow. And I, I have a really hard time with that, but that is the truth. And what you described happening to your parents is is not at all uncommon. Uh, people are dropping like flies in hospice. And you talked about your father getting batted back and forth between the nursing home and the hospital. This is because they're running the Medicare time clock. And like, say, for instance, if you got pneumonia, you go into the hospital Medicare will pay for eight days hospital. At the end of that eighth day, they're going to discharge you. Whether you're well, you're better or not, they don't care. Because once that eight day, eighth day passes, now they have to start picking up the bill. In other words, they start losing money. So they'll bat you over to a participating nursing home who then starts the Medicare clock. And as soon as their time limit is up, they'll bat you back to the hospital. And they'll do this over and over and over again till it gets to the point that they can't get any more out of you. Okay. So then this is when you get put into hospice. Right. And hospice used to be the Good Samaritan outfit. It used to be uh, these were stellar people who came in and really performed a vital service um, out of the goodness of their heart. They really did. Under Obamacare, they got an $11.5 billion infusion of cash to change their mission and mandate from one of Good Samaritan to one of hastening the end of life. And when you talk about the shot being given in a short time later, your mother, you know, succumbing, um, I would question what that shot actually was, that painkiller, palliative care. When you hear the words futility of care, you know the game is on. And palliative care is we are going to... Um, drug you so that you cannot complain. Normally when uh, futility of care starts, they pull hydration and nutrition and begin starving and dehydrating the person to death. This reaches a critical point where retrieval of the person is virtually impossible because the organs have started shutting down. It's a very, very painful process. 
so they talk about palliative care. We want to keep them comfortable. What they want is to keep them from crying out in pain. Right. So they will load them with these drugs. And then when it's most opportune, the charge nurse comes in with what we call the hammer shot. And this is half morphine, half Haldol, Seroquel, Zyprexa, one of those. It's given in a massive dose, and in a very short time, it just simply stops the heart. Um, and then they say, oh, they died. Oh, they, you, you know, it just, you know, it was, it was what was the Lord wanted. Um, no, that's what you put in that shot. And but this goes on every day, and people are very aware that it goes on. We go to our legislators. We go to you know people that are supposed to be in control of this stuff and overseeing it. People in a position that are able to do something about it, and they just go deaf. They can't hear you. They won't hear you. Uh, we get the platitudes of, oh, I'm gravely concerned, gravely concerned. Uh-huh. I'm going to have to look into that. I know you will. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, and it's all these platitudes and back padding, and yet nothing happens. Um, I'm, what I'm focused on right now is trying to collect the data on how many people they have done this to, like in 2017. And I called Social Security and asked them where this information was. And they wanted to know why I wanted to know it. And I said, because I'm aware that this is a program of creeping genocide going on, and I want to get the data on this. And, of course, I can't get anything. Nobody can get anything. That's protected information. So there you are. You know, it's interesting. I just was thinking... I know, I know in my mom's case, there was no autopsy done, and I'm sure that's common because when, right. when someone dies in a facility like that, it's automatically assumed that it was just old age or whatever, yeah. natural causes and that kind of thing, no foul play, and because of that, no autopsy. Now, right. if they would do some blood work, they'd probably find a massive dose of that stuff in the system, yeah. and then they'd start raising some eyebrows. Um, have you um, dealt with anyone who has asked for an autopsy after someone after their loved one died? And yes. what happened there? Well, the, and that was uh, Yolanda Bell wanted a um, autopsy done on her sister Anastasia. It's one of the most horrendous things cases of medical kidnap I've dealt with, and uh, Anastasia had um, taken two Tylenol because of a severe headache. And Tylenol, acetaminophen, is quite deadly for a majority of people. And it caused her brain injury, caused her brain to swell. They get her to the hospital. They give her Vicodin for the pain, which is half acetaminophen. Yeah. So it compounds the injury. And she's irretrievable at this point. They, um, her sister took care of her for quite some, for as many years, actually. And, but she got uh, a lung infection, gets her to the hospital. They treat her for pneumonia at the end of the eight days, as I spoke about. They want to discharge her with a 10-inch blood clot in her left arm and still having pneumonia because Medicare won't pay anymore. So Yolanda refuses to sign the discharge papers. So the hospital, and this is something people need to be aware of, Hospitals now routinely staff their own guardians, and so they guardianized her immediately. 
and shoved her over to a nursing home. And this process went on for a year of back and forth between the nursing home and the hospital. And Anastasia just died here about a month and a half ago, um, at which point the guardian resigned from her case. And uh, so Yolanda was able to get an autopsy. She's awaiting the results on that. But it just... What was done to that woman was many people are demanding an autopsy and having to fight to get it done, to get to get a court order, to get an autopsy. You shouldn't have to go through no. that. No, that's it. That's you crazy. Not yes, and but and then judges say no, an autopsy isn't needed. That's to protect that hospital. That's to protect hospice. That's to protect yep. the people involved. And you're being denied your right. But yes. If they would do an autopsy, I think what they would find would scare them to death. Because what they're doing to these people now is exactly what's coming for you in the future. So yeah. you need to get it stopped. You know, don't think this isn't going to hit you. It is. That is insane. And and basically that's kind of what I was alluding to at the beginning of the program. You know, I, I mentioned that I'd heard you on another show here recently, and one of the callers called in and asked, you know, what can we do? Right. And that was such a timely question. And unfortunately, when you're, when, you, it's, you know, when you're up to your butt in alligators, it's hard to remember that the initial yeah. uh, thing was, the you know, goal was to drain the swamp. And, you know, it's always better to think ahead of time. And that's what this program is about is natural health, avoiding the MDs mm -hmm. and the hospital system and all that stuff and restoring your health naturally and yeah. using nutrition and things like that to basically stay out of that system so that they don't know you exist. Right. And that's one of the better ways we can do things. But of course, for the people that haven't known that, they're stuck. So you know, you're, you're, once you're on that merry-go-round, it's really hard to get off because it keeps going faster and faster and faster. And, you know, the thing now is to raise awareness so more and more people know about it. That's why I wanted to get you on here so more people could hear this story and have an idea of what's being done and to, you know, think about their friends, family, loved ones that may have been in these situations or may be about to enter one of these situations and if they have any say in the matter to think twice about what they're going to do um yeah well exactly and you know the thing is here too if you if you are in the position where you need to be admitted to a hospital whatever that condition might be two things you need to check immediately are they using hospitalists and this is on staff doctors who don't work anywhere else but at that hospital. And the way they sell this to you is, and now we've got a doctor on staff 24 hours a day just in case you need anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and as soon as you sign the papers and those hospitalists take over, your primary care doctor, the person you may have been seeing for 20, 30 years, is out the door. They don't consult with them. They don't look at your files, nothing. What they do is sit and talk to you and get all your symptoms. Then they go punch all those symptoms, those you know complaints you have, into a computer program, which flags them up all of the possible diagnoses that could be applied to your complaints. And they start systematically working through them. And they apply every treatment, therapy, hospital, length of stay time, everything, until they increase the profit margin of the hospital by at least 20%. 
and they will do this to you over and everything that can possibly be applied to your condition is. Hmm. And you may have just had a common cold, but by the time they get done with you, you had cancer of the feet and your ears fell off, and you know what I'm saying. It, right. They actually create the medical conditions conducive to ongoing treatment for conditions you never had. The other thing um, I would caution people about is when you sign the admitting papers, even when you go to your doctor's office and they say to you, um, just sign this, it just gives us permission to treat you. Well, obviously I'm here for an appointment. Why would you need that? <laughs> and But it, demand a copy. They'll have the screen, you know, the back to, to you. So you right. can't see what's on the screen. But they want you to sign that little pad out there, tell them to print it off and give it to you in hard copy, and you'll sign it. Read that, because if the word biologics is in there, and it most likely is, that means that they can override any other uh, decisions you have made or instructions you have given and give you vaccines. So you sign that, sign your name, and then underneath it, no vaccines under any circumstances. You know, no experimental blood transfusions, no this, right. no that. Um, because this is what biologics is. It sounds innocuous in there, but it it is really the door opener to allow them to override your wishes, your instructions, and do what they damn well want. Yeah, which because is like, in effect, you are giving them permission to do it when you sign it, not knowing what yes. it is you're signing. Yeah. Because you are signing a contract. You are <laughs> actually entering into a contract. And so you're supposed to know all provisions of the contract. And people that have challenged this said, I didn't know this is what that meant. Well, too bad for you. You should have known. Yep. And, you know, and this is the attitude when you confront people, when you try to hold them accountable for what they've done. The court, if you can call it that, I call them tribunals, um, these probate administrative courts, their whole attitude is, well, so what? I don't care. You should have known. It's not my yep. fault. Well, that's the you whole know. thing because they're trying to prolong or you know promote their system. They're yeah. not going to ruin favor of someone who pleads ignorance because well, you should have gotten an attorney then, someone to mm -hmm. work for you, and right. it, you know it's just one more part of the system. They're all in cahoots together. That's why I say avoid all of them. <laughs> yes, exactly. You really there's two times in your life you'll be in just exposed to a massive amount of dangerous activity, and that's in a courtroom. Mm -hmm. And at your doctor's office. Yep. Um, it, it's just, it, Jim, I raised two of my granddaughters. The youngest graduated last June. And for the years I had them, I fought tooth and nail to keep them from vaccinating them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just this constant battle, this harangue constantly. Well, they need this and they need, no, they don't. That's right. No, they do not. And, well, don't you want them to be healthy? They are healthy. We don't have autism, ADD, ADHD. We don't have seizures, paralysis, blindness. We don't have any of that. They're rarely ever sick. How healthy yep. do you want them to be? Yep. Well, they could get, yeah, they could fall down and break their leg too, but that hasn't happened either. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't understand this mindset of more medicine, more. I don't take anything. I refuse. <laughs> yep. I, I take my supplements and my vitamins and that's it. And, um, but I don't understand this mindset, particularly elderly people are in of taking six, 12 medications a day and then saying, I just don't feel well. <laughs> Look what why. you just did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look what you just did. Now, think about this, you know. Yeah. Um, 
I, I just don't I don't get it. But going back to this hospice thing, um, it, these people, what I have a hard time getting my head around is that there are people in a hospital setting most particularly mm-hmm. who will participate willingly in the euthanizing of elderly people or people who are disabled. Yeah. And this seems not to bother these people at all. And they will do it time after time after time. I, I don't understand that. I, I don't know where these people came from. And uh, the person who delivers that kill shot, the hammer shot, they get mm-hmm. paid extra money to do that. Um, I didn't know that till here recently, but there's actually a, a pay grade on that. And... Um, it just, you know, when I've approached senators and representatives about this is what they're doing, well, I'm sure you must, you know, you must uh, misunderstand, you know, well, you don't have any medical training, and, you know, so you don't know what the actual, you know, doctors are under it, like, yeah, okay. Um, it just, um, oh, good heavens. Uh, it just absolutely is sick what they, what they do, mm-hmm. and I don't know about you, but how many people do you have to kill? And think about that. If you did the same thing, yeah. if you did the same thing, you'd be in prison. Right. You know, if, if that family member was at home and was begging me to help them end their life, mm-hmm. and I did that, yeah. I'd go to prison. But here in a hospice situation, they're not begging to have their life ended in most cases. They're just there because they're so over-medicated. They're yes. just there. And someone comes along and sticks a needle in them, and boom, they're dead. Nothing happens. Wow. That's, you know, it's, it's part of the system. That's why, you know, that's like taxation. If I went to my next-door neighbor and stuck a gun in his face and said, give me your money, you know, that's robbery. But when yeah. the government does and calls it taxation, that's okay. Same thing. Yes. And, and you're right. Don't play in that system either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but you know, leading up to all this, and I think where you might have been—excuse <laughs> me, I've had a cold. I need a vaccine. Um, oh but, <laughs> no, you need my nutritional supplements. <laughs> <laughs> but where, a lot of times, where all of this starts is this guardianship scam they've got running. Right. And I, I don't think people there again, having dealt with this for many, many years. I hear all the time people say, oh, well, so-and-so must have done something wrong. Well, they didn't ever put him under guardianship if you hadn't done something wrong. Uh, no, you don't have to do anything wrong. You just have to have some assets. Mm-hmm. And um, and some guts. Yeah. If you're willing to go and, against their system, then they're going to put it in re- even quicker, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And I keep cautioning people about going to these attorneys for estate planning because all they're really doing is databasing. And they're waiting for you then to come in. You've been flagged. Now they know what you've got, how much it's worth, where it's at, who has access to it. Mm-hmm. You go to any of these dinners they give and come talk to us and we can show you how to avoid guardianship conservatorship. <laughs> now you're being set up. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I went to one of these in a town down here south of me. Um, I went to one of these. And um, I don't have any assets, Jim, and I've kept it that way. And... Um, so I went to go in. There's a young lady standing at the door. She says, ma'am, ma'am, she said, um, can you fill out those papers first before you go in? And I said, what is this? 
and she said, well, it's just we like to know who we're talking to. I know you do. And uh, so I'm looking at this, and it said, you know, stocks, you own land, you own all of this, blah, 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 net worth, uh, you know, estimated value. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I put down, I got two grandkids, a dog. Uh, estimated worth, not much. (laughs) (laughs) Everything. And I handed it to her and walked in. She came up and grabbed me. She said, is this a joke? I said, no, I'm serious. It's a heart attack on that. And um, so anyway, I went out ahead and sat down. I told her, I said, you really don't want to cause a scene here, do you? And she just, I find out later on, this young lady is an attorney. New, but she's an attorney. I just went ahead on and sat down and I ate their dinner. Yeah, and go. they start this spiel, and uh, they're talking about all of this, and I'm listening, and I realize that what they are doing is databasing, and so I stood up to leave. Well, let's let's hold it right there. Got to skip past the break here. We'll get right back to it. Well, welcome back to the uh, second half of today's edition of Your DIY Health Radio here on the Truth Frequency Radio Network. I am your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. And my guest today, about, oh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, but, that's uh, all right. We, we were just talking about how you get into a guardianship, how this happens. That's right. And Why don't you go ahead and pick up from there? Well, what will happen is you're targeted. Um, say, for instance, you go to the hospital or in many high-dollar neighborhoods, upper-class neighborhoods, they have scouts that careen up and down the street watching for for sale signs, that kind of thing. Um, And then they'll guardianize the elderly people inside it and then take the house. Uh, They get a court-ordered testamentary of power, and they flip the house, and they sell it at a private auction where only one person is attending, and that's the person who's going to get that house. They buy it for pennies on the dollar, turn around and flip it and make a fortune. And this goes on every day of the week. But as to how this happens, um, when you go in for guardianship, when this happens, it can happen overnight while you sleep. They get an ex parte meeting, meaning to benefit one side only. Uh, The predators in this, the guardians and the attorneys who represent them, uh, claim that the targeted victim can't be there because it might cause damage, injury, or, you know, some of their loss. And it, it is in actually going to do exactly that. Now, what happens when you're guardianized? You are declared a ward of the state. Now you are dead in the law. You just cease to exist as a living, breathing human being. You are chattel property, and your identity is taken from you and hand it over to this person who most likely is a total stranger to you. That person now represents themselves as you, speaks for you, contracts for you, sells your property, accesses all your assets, and you pay for all of it. Every time that person makes a move, appears in court, licks a stamp, answers the phone, they tap the estate. It is one of the sickest, most perverse systems I have ever seen. You're being forced to not only pay for weaving the rope, but your own executioner. And everything they do, they tap that estate. They tap it till they drain it. Once they drain it, they resign and walk away and go on to somebody else. This is considered the fastest-growing cottage industry in the country. And it has been put in place by a system of arbitrary statutes in every state. You can look your states up, just check, check whatever your state is, and guardianship statutes, it'll pull it right up there for you. 
and when you read, and I always tell people when you're reading this statute or you're reading legislation, don't look at what's there. Look for what was intentionally omitted that should have been there if this was legitimate. And what you find is all of those pre-standing legal agreements that you constructed to protect yourself and your estate and make sure it passed on to your heirs have been discarded by the judge who can do this. Because if you're deemed to be incapacitated today, you must have been 10, 20 years ago when you constructed these documents. So they just throw them aside, and they hand all of this over to this stranger. And now it's on, because the first thing they do is kidnap you from your home or out of your hospital bed, and they seclude you in one of these participating nursing homes where you're held hostage. If you complain, there is a standing order that comes in with that from the doctor who is overseeing this to sedate you. You're being combative. So they start drugging you immediately. This serves two purposes. It keeps you quiet, and it also allows them to short staff so they don't have to take care of you. And you see, it works out well for everybody. And but they almost everybody. <laughs> yes. Well, then the statutes all say isolation is strictly prohibited, except under certain conditions. Isolation is the standard. This is the first thing they do: is isolate that person they targeted. The effects of that is psychological torture. Um, this isolation is what's done to prisoners of war, this kind of thing. And it, globally, it is considered something you are not supposed to do. It's torture. It tortures the human mind. This is the first thing they do. The second thing is they'll take glasses, dentures, hearing aids, anything from these people, and just leave them lay there. Uh, it, it's... Again, I go back to the people participating in this system. And we see this practiced across the country. Where did all of these predators come from? And they are predators. They are preying on their neighbors, on people in their community. Where did they come from? How come there's so many of them? These people seem not to have a conscience, not to have any empathy, any sympathy, any compassion. And they will do the most egregious things to this vulnerable person. And they make jokes about it a lot of times. And they're the same ones that will wring their hands about the guys that call the seniors and tell them that uh, run a scam on them and get their credit card information yes. and that kind of, this is just terrible. We need to have, we need to be guardians over these people so they won't be able to get, fall into this stuff. Well, this is. <laughs> This is what I've always said. We need to guardianize these very people because they've already mm -hmm. demonstrated they're mentally compromised. Right. Um, so you are incapacitated by, by definition. Mm -hmm. um, your lack of empathy for your fellow human beings says that, you know, you shouldn't be out here running loose. Yeah. And, um, but it's, it, and I, I've had people say, oh, well, you know, I'm sure they must have, must have done something or they wouldn't have. no. You didn't have to do anything. Now we have guardians. When I first started in this gym, what struck me is they always, it was just focused on people with assets. And so, of course, the, the big question is, there's all these people in the street that are homeless. If you wanted to guardianize somebody because you care so much about them, you want them to be taken care of, why aren't you helping those people? It's because they don't have anything. Well, now, now, they are doing it by volume. 
and they're going after. We have that predator running up there in Detroit. Uh, 1,398 clients she has under her wing. She's taken their Social Security, any VA retirements, any railroad retirements, and she's made herself the payee on all of that. She gives each of her clients $44 a month out of their money. And I know they're just partying like crazy. Then she installs them. She kidnaps them and installs them in one of her residential homes that have never been inspected. And they run without heat. This last year, in 2017, one of these homes caught fire and five of these people burned to death. The home had never been inspected. She's never been prosecuted. She's the darling of the probate circuit. And... It, this this goes on across the country. So now they have started collecting people, you know, that are subsisting on Social Security, or they have Social Security and maybe a railroad or VA retirement. And they're taking, they're robbing them. They're robbing them. And in the interim, while they're doing this, these people are being tormented and tortured and isolated and treated horrendously while everybody else walks around like everything's just fine. It isn't fine. It isn't fine. And I, the biggest, the loudest screaming I get from people are people who for years antagonized me. Oh, you're just crazy. You're just a conspiracy theory. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, wait a minute. This just landed in my house. Help, help, help. No, you take yourself on somewhere else. Remember this, didn't you? must have done something wrong. And um, But this is the shocker that hits people. You don't have to do anything wrong. You didn't have to abuse or exploit anyone. You got targeted for a reason, or your relative did, your spouse. Somebody, your spouse, or whoever that person is, has something somebody else wants. And this is how they're going to take it. And I think probably equally as detrimental to the situation is the torment of the actual victim is the downstream effect on families. It, this absolutely tears families apart to know that this family member or whomever is being held prisoner, being used and abused, tormented, and you can't do a damn thing to stop it. Uh, you can go into these kangaroo courts, and we've had judges, and these, these aren't really judges. They're administrative hearing examiners. They do not qualify to be called judge. There is a legal difference, but... Um, they they absolutely are they can't hear anything they don't uh, whatever's going on they they don't care because every time a motion is brought into that probate tribunal that judge the cash register starts ringing so they're never going to object to that as long as it's brought by the guardian and their attorney now if the defendant or their representatives try to bring a suit you know a motion in front of that tribunal then they're being frivolous and they're vexatious and they can't file any more motions. They'll be ordered, you can't file any more motions. Don't show up back here again until you hire an attorney. What you have to understand about that system is, is all of our courts have been taken over by the Bar Association. This is a monopoly, right up to SCOTUS, who has declared itself to be its own Bar Association. And now here, as of 2013, Rule 288 they will no longer hear any pro se cases. Now, why would that be of interest? Because the last time they ever heard one was back in 1974, and the guy won nine to nothing. They haven't heard a pro se case since then. 
why did you put that in here now? Um, it was to close this loop. You have to be a member of a bar in good standing for four years to apply to the SCOTUS bar to have a case heard and be accepted there. Um, here again, we're working within a closed union shop. And that's completely unconstitutional right in and of itself. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> and so when you go in there, you're already at a disadvantage. And you have this person sitting on the bench who is also a bar member hmm. telling you you have to hire another union member before you can come back in there because they own that courtroom. They yep. either lease it or they own it outright. That is insane. Yeah, I, I, before we go any further, I want to make sure we get out the information about your uh, website and uh, show that you do. You have the PPJ Gazette, correct? Yes. Talk yes. about that for a second, would you? Well, I've been, uh, I guess you'd call politically active for 25 years at least. I used to write for the St. Cloud Times here in Minnesota. I had a column with them. And um, uh, I kind of went out on my own um, after Gannett Publishing uh, sent me an email and said in the future I would have to have my article, my column in two weeks before deadline instead of a week before. And they would give me a list of 10 acceptable topics to write about. <laughs> and then mm -hmm, I was going after Bush Cheney and what they were. I don't go after people personally, regardless of what my thoughts might be there. I don't do that. But I was going after what they did, why it was unconstitutional, why they had no right to do it. It was outside of their powers. And they didn't like that. And uh, they said they turned this column in, and then if they didn't like it, they would reject it, and they would give me a more suitable topic to write about. I thought about that for about five hot seconds and <laughs> shot them back an email and told them to kiss my fluffy old butt. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I started the PPJ Gazette online, and um, it's, it's been quite successful uh, in and of itself. And an offshoot of that was here eight years ago. I started TS Radio and uh, never intending to do anything of the kind, but people weren't talking about what I wanted to talk about. And <laughs> um, so, you know, you have no choice. You have to get out there. And there uh, I, I thought I'd do it a year or two and quit when I say we're coming up on eight years and um, coming up on 1,000 broadcasts. So, you awesome. know, and that's TS Radio on Blog Talk. Marty Oakley. Yeah. So the people can just go to blogtalkradio.com and put in the search, put TS Radio, and you'll come up. Yep. Awesome. Yep. And how often are you on uh, on Blog Talk? Is it weekly well, or daily? or? Well, weekly. Um, I do a show on Monday night called Abolishing Probate. And Tuesday night, we're starting up a new show on hospice called Medical Murder. Mm -hmm. um, so that'll be starting and hosted by Carly Walden from Hospice Patients Alliance, and she's somebody you might want to talk to. Yeah, I um, saw her. Uh, I saw her on your um, PPJ thing. I was yeah. thinking about getting a hold of her. <laughs> yes, yes, you would very much like to talk with Carly. And um, then on Thursday nights, uh, I do the Whistleblower Show, and that's working with the Making It Safe Coalition out of D.C. Uh, the whistleblowers coming out of these federal agencies. Um, then these people are in danger. Uh, speaking about what they have observed and what they can prove, and they are being hunted and retaliated against and stalked and intimidated and threatened to shut up. And um, 
so that's what that show's about. And that, of course, also pivots around the summit in July, at the end of July in D.C. Last year, I had the first ever panel on guardianship abuse at that summit. And um, it's the Whistleblower Summit, and it's quite well attended. And uh, so we'll be there again this this year. But that's what I do, and I'm too old to be doing all this stuff. And I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I, you know, you reach a point where you think, my God, I need to slow down. Yeah, moss but, doesn't grow on Rolling Stone, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, it just, I can't, I can't remain quiet. Yeah. I can't sit back and know this stuff is happening. And, you know, on a daily basis, people say, oh, you're crazy. You're delusional. You're a conspiracy theorist. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, here's this. Now, you read this and come back and tell me. Well, now, I'm speaking sure of reading, misinterpreted. Yeah. reading things, um, I mean, what you've been telling me, you know, I have no reason to doubt a single thing. Mm-hmm. But I know there are some folks out there that say, oh, that's crazy. I want to see mm-hmm. proof. What kind of, uh, you know, when someone does that, what kind of documentation can you point them to to verify some of the things you've been talking about? Well, Anything for one thing, yes, there, there are numerous groups on the net devoted to this. And you can read their stories, or you can go to the NASCA website, that's National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse. Um, and there is a treasure trove of histories there that you can access and read who the judge was, who the attorneys were, the guardians were, who the victim was, how much was stolen, what was done to them, all the court papers they went. They have absolutely assembled a massive database there. And this is with court documents. And when you see what's actually going on, when you see it in writing, and the corruption in these so-called courts, these tribunals, is absolutely stunning. Uh, That it's done out in the open, they don't care who knows. Um, as I said, I've got probably 150 cases laying here I've collected over the years. Uh, there, people sent me court documents. And judges, these administrators, telling people, if you mention the Constitution again, I'll put you in jail. Mm-hmm. You don't have any rights in this courtroom. I'm the judge. I decide what the law is. The law is what I say it is. Right. And they violate people's rights. Now, they claim they have immunity because they're a judge. Well, you have immunity only long, as long as you stay within the parameters of your job description and the Constitution. And once you intentionally violate someone's rights constitutionally, that immunity drops away, regardless of what the Supreme Court has said. And as previous Supreme Court rulings say, there is no such thing as immunity. So... And- by the way, the NASGA website for folks that want to check it out is StopGuardianAbuse.org. StopGuardianAbuse.org. And uh, looks like there's some good reading there. <laughs> yes. Yes, this is a very well-established group, and they work with legislatures across the country as much as that is possible. Um, but there is, like I say, there's just a treasure trove of histories there, documents, how things went down, people who passed away while under this system and i can't think of it any more horrendous way to go yeah. um <laughs> to be in the care well if you can call it care in the possession because your property and understand that you when you are declared whether you're a child a disabled adult or an elderly when you are declared a ward of the state you do not any longer legally exist 
you you need to understand that you are a piece of property. You cannot speak for yourself. You cannot make any decisions for yourself. You simply are the vehicle by which money is going to be made or extracted. And once that money has been gotten or that property, you are totally expendable. Now, if you think death ends this nightmare, think again. Many states have allowed the guardians to go back five years, 10 years, 20 years to capture anything that might have been bought, sold, or traded from the estate and force it to be brought back because they want that stuff. Oh, boy. And, um, and <clears throat> now we're seeing them allowing them to keep cases open past the point of death anywhere from three months to two years, all to benefit the ward. Now, I don't know what you can do for a dead person, but because that estate hasn't been tapped out, they died too quick. They can keep it open now and keep draining it till they get everything. Well, now, just out of curiosity, <clears throat> with all this stuff that's been going on, has anybody, one of these advocacy groups, come up with a a way to help prevent this from happening, to keep someone from being sucked into the guardianship system. Well, see, we've tried that repeatedly. And there again, this depends on your state legislators who could stop this in a heartbeat. (laughs) It depends on your governor who could stop it. These are all executive agencies, all these probate courts. This is family, child custody, um, you know, wills, that kind of thing. Um, Your governor in your state can strike that statute down, can end this with the stroke of a pen with one of those infamous executive orders. You can't get to them. And if you go to your legislature, what you're going to find is everybody's on the gravy train. And the very same people that you are battling, the Bar Association, uh, the College of Probate Judges, the you know, all National Guardianship Association, all these people are donating money. I call it bribery. They're donating money to their campaign, and many times hundreds of thousands of dollars. But we're not going to stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, they're taking money from the one hand from the people you're fighting and turning around and telling you, shaking yours with the other, saying, oh, yeah, I'll look into this. No, they're not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything. Their their money, their groceries are coming from the people you're fighting. And the harder you press to get something done, the more money comes in. And one thing, and I mentioned this before on on, uh, Dr. Kennaway's show, is when I was in D.C. last year, one thing that became very apparent to me as a person who had never been there before was when you get into D.C., there is no political divide. That is all, it, and I've always believed this anyway, but when I got out there and actually saw this bunch in action, all of that left-right, conservative, uh, you know, uh, liberal crap, that's for public consumption. That's to keep us fighting out here among ourselves. Uh-huh. That way we don't focus on them. But you get out there, and I'm telling you, it's one big party, and you wasn't invited. Um, it just, it was absolutely nauseating. And uh, But there is no help there. If you're looking to the feds to help, there is no help there. Now, we've had groups propose legislation in various states, and I have seen pieces of legislation presented that were absolutely excellent and would have stopped a lot of this. 
and they'll actually get a legislative sponsor, a senator, or, you know, house person, uh, to sponsor this. It may be two or three. But what most people don't know is that once a bill, 10 million times, and they never tell you. Yep. So these bills they thought they were getting passed when they actually got passed had been watered down so badly that they do nothing. Right. And yet they want this big camera. Well, we signed this bill uh, most recently, S-178, um, Elder Justice and Protection Act, please. Um, about six pages of reiteration of state and federal laws against wire fraud and Internet scams on the elderly. And then in the center of it was the clinker, and it was an expansion and further funding of all the various various agencies we fight continually in this system, and with the addition of about 30 more. Now everybody's a mandated reporter. Um, you know, you go get your nails done, that person is a mandated reporter. If they think you've been abused, they they have to report it. Uh-huh. And, uh, but, uh, and then they handed Congress unconstitutionally delegated its authority to make laws to the DOJ to develop model legislation. The DOJ is not the proper body to developing model anything. That's not what they do. Right. But of course, yeah, we don't pay attention to that. And um, But it's just, it's just such a scam. And I want to say something else. People think if they go to the DOJ, and under this bill they're going to be setting up these district um, hearing examiners or whatever to collect data, they aren't going to do squat. They are not going the DOJ, like SCOTUS, will not intervene in anything that is in court, in REM, within the state. That's the state's business. And, it, and when you step into a court in your state, you come under the property and control of that court. The feds won't intervene. So, and then the only time they will is if there's a police investigation done, goes to the FBI, and then it goes to the DOJ. And that's it for this half hour. Okay, let me do a little fast-forwarding here. And we're back with the last section or segment of today's edition of Your DIY Health here on the Truth Frequency Radio Network. I am your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. And today's uh, guest is Marty Oakley. And um, she has just been a wealth of information so far. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we, uh, I just wanted to give out uh, Marty's, um, uh, her website is ppjg.me. That's Papa Papa John George dot M as in Mary, E as in Echo. Um, that's the PPJ Gazette. <clears throat> I encourage you to check that out. There is a lot of information in there. <laughs> and she's also on the blog talk radio um, dot com and uh, you can get to that site just go to blog talk dot com and type in ts radio and you'll get uh, you'll get marty's uh, program um, also we're going to open up the phone lines so if anybody out there has a question for marty you can call 833 tfr live 833-837-5483 833-837-5483. So um, let's go ahead and pick up from where we left off until someone calls in, Marty. Okay. Um, I want to touch on these probate tribunals again and what happens in this process. Um, the um, 
when you get in there, the the thing that hits people is this overwhelming wall of corruption. People go into these the first time they've ever been in one, and they think the law is on their side. They think they have rights. They think they have an attorney that's going to represent them, and they think crazy is what they do. They get in there, and they find out that that attorney they hired is colluding with the attorney for the guardian and the judge. Yeah, they play golf together, have lunch together. Yes, (laughs) they do, and they all belong to the same union. Exactly. And they're all paying union dues to be there. And so one of the first things that um, the judge, this hearing examiner, will ask the family is, has your attorney been paid? What business is that at that examiner? (laughs) And uh, the second question is, have all the assets been marshaled? In other words, did you comb through public records, go through everything and find absolutely everything that belongs to this person and gather it all together in one place? And the third thing that happens is that guardian can stand up there and levy the most horrendous charges against you Uh, Other family members, they can accuse you. There's a laundry list. They found the person living in uh, their own excrement. They were dehydrated. They were suffering malnutrition. Uh, There were signs of abuse and neglect. Now, they never are asked for, nor do they ever produce any evidence to support this. Hmm. Okay? And you are not allowed to present any evidence that would refute what they are saying. That administrator will not take that evidence, will not allow you to speak, won't enter it into the record, won't even allow you to put it on their bench. And then when they write up the court report, it's nobody objected. (laughs) Nobody presented anything to the contrary. Uh, We have family members who scream, I'll take them, but they don't need guardianship, we'll take them. But they won't hear that, and they will put it in that that they are abandoned. Nobody was willing to care for them. Family wasn't present. And they lie in these court records continually. And the whole thing is a stage show. And this is what I'm saying. This is what hits people when they get in there, this wall of corruption that hits them, and, and it's resulted in what's now called legal abuse syndrome, which is a recognized uh, disorder now for people who encounter the systemic corruption in these administrative courts. Yeah, but of course, then they want to medicate you, <laughs> so mm-hmm. you won't yes, be able to do. say anything about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, they do, and uh, and that's something else I want to caution people about when you go to your doctor, mm-hmm. especially if that doctor isn't making notes while you talk to them. You can take it to the bank. You are being recorded, so when you go there. Um, What you want to do is confine your conversation to only the reason you are there. Don't volunteer anything. Don't add anything. Don't do anything. Because it's all being recorded and entered into your medical file. Now, you most likely will never be able to access your medical file, the notes on it. Okay? The transcript of your meeting with that doctor. Even though it's your property. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And um but the, there again immediately it kicks into this system of well we'll prescribe this and we'll prescribe that and we'll pre- prescribe something else. Uh 
I, I can't caution people enough about stop taking these damn medications. You yeah. are making yourself sick. And as I think you pointed out right when I was first coming on, uh, they they prescribe these things, and it causes a periphery of problems that you never had. Now you have to take all these medications to counter those symptoms. And it's just a vicious cycle. You are being poisoned to damn death. Stop exactly. Stop doing this. Um, like I say, I don't take anything. I take supplements. I take, you know, vitamins, you know, whatever I can take. I eat a healthy diet. I don't drink alcohol, don't eat fried foods, don't eat fast food, don't drink pop. There are things you can do for yourself to protect your health. Exactly. And at this ripe old age, I don't have high blood pressure, I don't have diabetes, I don't have heart disease. But you have to, you have to be a willing participant, active, proactive on your own health. Medications are not meant to cure anything. And I, I, I can say that with certainty because... Every medication I have ever seen used on anyone has been to their detriment. Right. And why don't you work instead from the preventative? What can I do to prevent this condition from occurring? What can I do to reverse it? All about. (laughs) Yes. Uh, What can I do for myself? But see, we have been trained, like you know, your little jingo there that was playing about these drug reps. Oh, yeah. Here we have these drugs advertised on TV where this fast talker at the end says this may cause brain bleeds, heart attacks, strokes, you know, right and this stuff can kill death. you. <laughs> yes, it can kill you. What other, uh, what other product do you know out there can openly admit it's going to harm and ultimately kill you, and we still get to advertise and sell it? The funny thing is, is that should be uh, at the required after every McDonald's commercial. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. All the other fast foods out there. And, you know, we are one of two countries in the world, to my knowledge, that allow direct-to-consumer advertising of pharmaceuticals. Yeah. Us and New Zealand, I believe, are the only ones. Yes. And yeah. it's because they, the, the people that make them dump millions and millions and billions of dollars into the coffers of the mm-hmm. people that write the laws. So you're never yeah. going to see it go away. Exactly. And it, there is so much money in this. There again, Jim... Look at, um, I actually, uh, this has been 15, 16 years ago, uh, Vioxx first came out. And I I had, um, a year later, I had to have a knee replacement. But I had arthritis really bad in my one knee. And so my doctor said, this new medication has come out. It's supposed to help with the inflammation. You want to try it. (laughs) Me, yeah. And... um, one pill, and I was so sick, I, I vomited for days. The second one they tried on me was Bextra. Within 24 hours, I was broken out across my chest and my back in what looked like a blistering rash, like I had been burnt. When I called down to the clinic and I said, look, you know, says this is a side effect of this medication. Why would you give Well, double up on it and see if that helps. <laughs> say, what? What? What did you say? <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> well, okay, I'll just do that right now because this rash just isn't spread far enough. Yeah, and all over me. <laughs> <laughs> and, but um, Vioxx killed half a million people. Yep. <clears throat> and the FDA the never pulled it from the market. 
no, it's still Merck on was the getting market. sued so much they finally took it off because they couldn't mm -hmm. afford it anymore. Well, what they did was they <coughs> tweaked the formula a little bit and put it out under another name. Still, same stuff. Um, but they, you have all these medications out there that uh, Leviquin and Cipro, not to yep. be administered to people over sixty. Um, class action lawsuits against Leviquin, most particularly for causing sudden death. Um, they they give it in massive, not to be prescribed with prednisone, any other corticosteroid, or with NSAIDs done routinely, not to be prescribed for urinary tract or sinus infections done routinely. I, I and you, I'm looking at doctors now, thinking I'm more afraid of you. Oh yeah. You know, they don't care. Never mind a thief on the corner with a gun. Yes. He might yeah. have a little bit of a conscience. There you go. Uh, but this person you go and see does not. Right. Uh, challenging doctors on that, uh, they get upset. Mammograms. Oh. Uh, please. <laughs> Don't get me that started. That never happened in this house. <laughs> and I went to a doctor last year, uh, part of a physical, it was a man, and I normally don't see male doctors. And he said, when was your last mammogram? And I said, oh, about the 12th and never. And he goes, well, you have to have one. And I said, no, I don't. And he said, what is your problem? I suppose you're one of those conspiracy theorists. And I said, yeah, when the company that manufactured them admitted that 84% of the time they give a false positive and 60% of the time they actually miss a cancer. I really think this is not conducive to good health. You know, I saw and, something the other day. It said a conspiracy theorist is someone who doesn't believe a proven liar. Yeah, well, that I have a <coughs> logo up, a graphic up on my sidebar that says conspiracy theorist theorist, someone who questions the statements of known liars. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> so, but, so this man is just berating me, which I'm not much for taking that kind of stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, I decided when I turned 50, I'd taken enough crap. And yep. so he's just going on. And finally, when he calmed down, I said, you done? Yeah. He said, so can we get this scheduled? And I said, I'll make you a deal. You go in there and put the family jewels in there first, there you and you'll go. crush them between two plates, and then irradiate them. When you're pissing out of what looks like a beaver's tail for the next week, if you still think this is a good idea, I'll go put my breasts in there. <laughs> and he just absolutely, his jaw dropped open, and he looked at me, and I said, oh, oh, how dare I see yeah. just such a thing. But I said, as long as we're talking about my breasts, me, what, just being a woman, it's, it's okay, go ahead. And I said, and how come... If I do get a spot in my breast, instead of removing just that spot, you rip the whole breast off and probably the other one too. Because it, it could spread. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. And I said, So tell me again, why when a man gets testicular cancer, do we not remove the scrotum in the penis? <laughs> and he said, What? I said, Well, excuse me, <laughs> logic here dictates, you know, that why don't we do this? Or if he gets prostate cancer, why isn't there a complete removal of the genitalia? <laughs> and he just looked at me. I said, how come we don't gut men like we do women? And yep. he said, get out, get out, get out. I said, mm -hmm. gladly. <laughs> Might as well have a little fun before you get thrown yeah. out, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Jim, I have been thrown out of a number of places. And mm -hmm. uh, I know that's hard to believe, but <laughs> yeah, I, um, I can tell. <laughs> you know, it, it. You know, I. What I'm trying to tell people is, 
don't take this stuff at face value. That's I, right. Because these people do not have your best interest at heart. They're looking at their bank account. They're looking at keeping their job. And if they have to use and abuse you to accomplish that, they will. Um, medicine is no longer about taking care of sick people. It, it, that's not what it, it's all about money. And keeping you sick. <laughs> and keeping you sick, yes. Yep. And, and you know, this thing with supplements and vitamins, how they're, you know, coming down hard, under, you know, because they're making bogus claims. Excuse me, you said chemotherapy was going to cure people, but they die, most of, 60% of them die within the first 30 days of administration of chemo. Yep. Uh, well, 97% ineffective. <laughs> yes, and it is still in clinical trials after more than 40 years. has never been approved for use. Makes billions of dollars for people. That's yeah. why it's still out there. Ford or and Chevy it, made a car that blew up 97 times out of 100 that was driven yeah. off a lot. Guess how long they'd be making that car. Yeah, exactly. But these bozos can, imagine, can get away with this stuff on a daily basis. Nobody goes to jail. Imagine if Chevy got on the, on the TV and said, buy this car. When you hit 40 miles an hour, the front wheels are going to fly off it. You're probably going to roll over in a ditch and get killed. But you need this car. Yeah, okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, the, you know, what bothers me is that people will buy into this. Mm -hmm. They'll run to their doctor and say, yes, give me this. Oh, yep. I've got those symptoms. I've got those symptoms. I need that. No, it's you like, don't. why did he have to spend all the money to go to medical school? They just come in and say, okay, I want this. No problem. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And uh, But we can't trust our doctors anymore. I firmly believe that. And, uh, and that's based on my own experience. Um, and from what I've heard from other people, that they feel threatened by their doctors. And there again, they enter into this guardianship thing for the right amount of money. We had one case in particular that when I got the court documents on it, I don't know if this was intentional or an oversight, but included was a letter from the court-appointed psychiatrist who never saw the targeted victim, but said based on what they had been told by nurses and so on, this person suffered from bipolar disorder, and for about three years there, everybody over 60 had bipolar disorder, which that's doesn't a... exist. And so uh, he said, so that's my diagnosis. If this doesn't work, let me know, and I'll write you up something else. Okay, well, I'm going to have to stop it there because we're out of time. And I have uploaded the um, this file uh, in a lower resolution form to the Telegram channel. So it is there. If I get a chance, I'll upload the high res to uh, CastBox. But um, I thought it would be good to play that today just because it's good information. People need to know what's going on out there. So uh, take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. And we will be back tomorrow. With, uh... And for those that don't realize that's recording, I'm stopping it now. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Marty Oakley got a lot of information, and um, I put some links in the chat room for different things for shows and that kind of stuff, and I just made up a little meme there with uh, conspiracy theorists, someone who questions known liars, and uh, you might enjoy that. Share it with friends, family, post it on Facebook, wherever. Anybody have any questions, comments, uh, thoughts about all this stuff? Um, it's obviously a, a thing that we're dealing with and, you know, as people age with all, like she said, with all the, uh, uh, 
what do you call it, uh, welfare and um, Social Security and everything else. The fewer people alive that collect it, the more money the government saves because, and they can not really save it, but they'll blow it on something else. And uh, that's the whole idea is, you know, the, what would make the, high, the government happy is if everybody died at 64 and a half. <laughs> so all that money they paid in would just uh, be the government's to play with and do whatever they want, but they'd never have to pay it out to the people that put it in in the first place. And I think with uh, COVID and the jabs and everything else, that's part of their goal, I think, is trying to kill off as many as they possibly can. And uh, so far, they're doing a good job, and nobody's holding their holding their feet to the fire and holding them accountable for it. So there you have it. Uh, let's see here. I was looking at something. Where'd it go? Hmm. Nope, not there. Here we go. Uh, gay justice minister announces that criticizing transgenders will soon be criminalized in Poland. Previews of coming attractions, you can bet it'll probably show up here too. The new deputy justice minister announced recently that they would soon send to jail and penalize those who criticize transgenderism and other LGBTQIAWXYZ square root of three ideologies. Christoph Smizek, I think it is, who is also a gay activist, said that the move would include the amendment of the provisions of the criminal code prohibiting the so-called hate speech about categories such as gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, age, or disability. It's a pretty simple legislative procedure. Work has been launched also at my request in the Ministry of Justice. By the end of February, such regulations should be drafted and left the Ministry of Justice after interministerial consultations, said the Justice Head. Smizik uh, pointed out that uh, such regulations apply in most European Union countries. Oh, so everybody else is doing something stupid, so we should too. These are the same laws that govern hate speech because of race and ethnicity. It will be the same penalty compartment, he added. However, the populist confederagia, anyway, it's about something about the confederation, political alliance questioned the planned speech restrictions, which were included in the coalition agreement between the three globalist political alliances that were combined to govern Poland. What is hate speech? The tradition of the Polish language does not know such a term. In practice, this means nothing more than criminal prosecution for expressing views that are inconsistent with a specific ideology that is close to the new coalition, warned Sejim member Conrad Berkowitz, who happened to be uh, from the Confederation Party. This is obvious censorship. An obvious attack on freedom of speech and obvious creeping totalitarianism. Imagine that. Mainstream media has proliferated how it is hard for the LGBTQIA community to thrive in Poland. What a shame. According to the annual Rainbow Europe Index released in May 2023 by IGLA Europe, a Brussels-based NGO 
Poland remains the worst country in Europe, Union, European Union, for LGBTQ people. Uh, good for them. Maybe get them to move out. Go to one of the other places that are stupid enough to let them do their thing. They have held this title since 2020. Poland remains the EU's worst country for LGBT people, according to annual Rainbow Europe Review or Ranking. Poland, uh, let's see here, and they got a little map there. Um, hmm. Hate speech by central government remained a serious issue in Poland. Found the annual Rainbow Whatever. And let me see here. Nope, can't get that. I was hoping maybe, oh well. Members of the said rainbow community were hopeful that last year's parliamentary elections could end the rule of the conservative law and justice party. That party has established what it calls LGBTQ free zones across the country. During these difficult eight years, we were humiliated, discriminated against, used in a political game, and indicated as a public enemy, says Gregor's. Garbalski, <laughs> an LGBT activist affiliated with the New Left. Uh, let's see here. Party. <laughs> As part of the broader left uh, alliance that stood for in the elections. These last few years, we were a permanent state of tension, getting bad news from different parts of Poland. And, uh, oh, good grief. Anyway, the head of communications for the LGBT active advocacy group campaign against homophobia said, <laughs> so we're really, really excited and happy after the election because we felt that finally something is possible, that change is possible. However, three opposition groups set to form a new coalition government the left, which has the most ambitious program for LGBT rights, did worse than expected, winning only 8.6% of the vote and 26 seats in Parliament. This center-right third party, which is moderately conservative on social issues, exceeded expectations with 14.4% and 65 seats. The dominant group in the new government is the centrist civic coalition, with 30.7% and 157 seats. It is pledged to improve LGBT rights, including introducing same-sex civil partnerships and a simpler gender recognition process, but its disappointing record in office between 2007 and 2015 makes activists doubt it. Now the coalition agreement signed between the three groups after the elections is being carried on through the criminal code amendment to be finalized next month. They also pledged to restore the rule of law annual, or excuse me, annul and near total, the near total abortion ban, depoliticize public media and dichotomize the church and state. Police government, Polish government to fast track same-sex marriage. Oh boy. As Polish prime minister, Donald Franciszek Tusk was busy installing the new executive cabinet with hard-left radicals. Cooper, he's trying to get all over my keyboard again. His government may expose, uh, may, may be poised to fast-track the legalization. Ah, he just 
<laughs> Get down, dog. He just smacked my uh, trackpad with his nose and changed what I was looking at. <laughs> oh, good grief. Now I got to get back to where I was. Um, sorry about that. Uh, where was it? Uh, yeah, there he is. I was busy installing an executive cabinet and hard left radicals as government may be poised to fast track the legalization of same sex marriage following the legal dictate from the European Court on Human Rights. The, that court issued their verdict uh, back in December, declaring that current Polish statutes, which recognize marriage between a man and a woman, violate the right to respect for private and family life. Outlined under Article 8 of the European Convention on Human Rights in a 6-1 to decision. While the ruling stressed that it could not force any nation-state to le- uh, legislate for or against same-sex partnerships, it did realize or minimize the, the Polish state's traditional concept of marriage as a union of a man and a woman, which is correct. That was given as one of the reasons not to recognize homosexual unions by the past uh, government. Back in 2010, the European uh, Court on Human Rights, uh, or Commission or whatever, was already accused of meddling in the affairs of sovereign nations around LGBT issues, when it strong-armed the Italian government into recognizing same-sex partnerships with the similarly worded Oliari versus Italy case. So, yeah, same insanity is being pushed everywhere, and uh, wondering if anybody's ever going to stand up. And, of course, here's another one report. Big Mike, a.k.a. Michelle Obama, preparing to replace Biden for White House run against Trump. Well, Biden didn't win, and Big Mike's not going to win. You know, Biden, they had enough they could cheat their way into office, but I don't think they're going to be able to do that with Big Mike. Former first tranny, Big Mike, Michelle Obama, is reportedly preparing for a White House run to replace ailing Joe Biden. According to New York Post, citing credible sources few have access to and usually not meant for the noses of the media, Michelle Obama, Big Mike, is positioning herself himself to become the Democratic presidential nominee ahead of the DNC convention this summer. And you can bet they'll work things out so they don't even have to have a uh, convention. They'll just put him in there and let him go. Obama has polled donors, the Post Cindy Adams wrote Monday. His plan around uh, May, Biden announces he's not running even mentally. (laughs) Uh, The so-called plot is that one that come August convention, Mike gets nominated. Our fan uh, favorite, Turbo Force Plus. You're putting all that stuff in there. Uh, Next up, Hunter's father, the temp, uh, drops out just before the convention. For now, he still play acts like he's the real candidate. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. Announcing today our dodo-in-chief would have to stop quacking and become a lame duck. Their plan is currently being tweaked. Big Mike has already reportedly sent surveys to uh, heavy-duty donors to probe their reaction to his jumping into the race. The process has begun, (laughs) Adams wrote. According to, additionally, a centrist political organization called No Labels, is fielding Obama's candidacy and murmurs of his entering the race. 
may emerge into the mainstream conversation in the coming weeks. The assumption is that the name they name uh, some appealing candidates after March 15th, whom they are now quietly vetting. Adams wrote, mid-February, we should hear rumors. Big Mike, in a recent, and they put it in there, I didn't, in a recent interview said he's, uh, they say she, I'm saying he, kept awake at nights over a possible Trump victory in November, insisting that leaders matter. Yeah, they do, as we've seen in the last uh, three and a half with the lack of leadership. I'm terrified about what could happen because our leaders matter, he said. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit, it affects us in ways sometimes I think people take for granted. Oh, yeah. Big Mike says he is kept awake at night, and they're just repeating things. This comes amid claims by former President Donald Trump himself that Joe Biden will soon drop out of the 2024 race. Uh, Trump uh, confidant Roger Stone has likewise predicted for years that Big Mike Obama, but he calls him Michelle, would be the Democrats' standard bearer for 2024. And I've been listening to Roger Stone, and I don't know why, but he flat out refuses to acknowledge that Big Mike is Big Mike, only going by Michelle. I don't know why. Joe will wrap up enough delegates so that no one else can be nominated. Then at the last minute, he will announce that for reasons of health, he's going to step aside, Stone told Alex Jones on Sunday. So anyway, yeah, you can pretty much bet that that's the case. And uh, who knows? Be interesting. It'll be another circus. And the clowns are coming out already. Gee. Uh, Let's see here. Watch. Texas AG Ken Paxton reveals Democrats rigged the 2020 elections by merely ceasing to count votes, then running mail-in ballots until they achieved fake vote targets. You think? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And uh, the hits just keep on coming. So just curious if anybody out there has any comments, concerns, anything they want to bring up in the last few minutes. we got about uh, nine minutes to go. Feel free to unmute and jump in. Samuel, you don't have anything to add today? Or Gary? Or Gord? <laughs> Anybody? Um, no, Kirby's probably working. Um, well, let's look at one of the other feeds here. Uh, the most recent here, update. Leave the world behind. Uh, pop-ups, I hate these things. Netflix recently released a new fictional film titled Leave the World Behind, which dramatizes what could happen with a cyber attack against the U.S. I watched this film yesterday since online comments about it were all over the place and trying to interpret it. I'm recommending everyone watch this film. Uh, there's a lot of cussing in the use of the F-word, so be forewarned about that. If you're not subscribed to Netflix, you can purchase a one-month membership just to watch the film and then cancel your subscription. I've done that in the past, and it's usually a big mistake, and I'm not going to waste my money this time. Um, Sooner or later, somebody will bootleg it onto one of the uh, (laughs) other platforms, but um, even if they don't, you know, the picture they're showing is two women holding hands, walking with their backs to the camera. Uh, which is a screenshot from the new uh, Netflix movie. 
and they're looking at it looks like maybe a skyline of New York or some other big city with smoke coming up and uh, it's a joke and on top of that from what I understand there's some really nasty uh, uh, I don't know if it's subliminal messages that are in those things or what but there have been some uh, reports of things that you know if you watch this thing, you're going to get more than just what's on the screen, um, and it's not really good for you. So, again, I'm not going to go along with watching it, but let's see what they said. Because the film was at least partially funded by the Obamas, the right-wing alternative media is interpreting this film through the lens of conservatism with partisan views, which makes them completely miss what is so clearly being communicated in this film. I've read comments, for example, stating that this film was anti-white people and anti-humanity. This is absurd, as the two families portrayed in the film, a white family with a mother and father and two children, and a black father with his young, young daughter, actually overcome their racial bias in this film and learn that uh, their shared humanity makes them far more similar as they are facing the same problems together in an apocalypse scenario like a cyber attack captured a screenshot of the white mother and the black daughter holding hands as they watched the city of New York, uh, New York City being bombed from the rural areas on Long Island, which clearly shows how these right-wing biased reviews completely missed the point and, uh, due to their own biases. Um, there's most certainly a lot of symbolism and hidden meanings throughout the film, and you will not like the ending, which is intentional, but I encourage you to watch it for yourself rather than reading what other people think about it, including me. If you cannot imagine what a cyber attack and other resulting types of attacks, such as EMP attacks, would look like if they happened, I do think this film is probably an accurate portrayal of what that could look like. Many are claiming that this film is predictive programming in helping the public get ready for this actual hap- actually happening in real life. I don't necessarily disagree with that, but one has to understand that pretty much everything you watch is <laughs> that is produced by the corporate entertainment industry is predictive programming and has been that way since TV and the big screen movie industry started after World War II in the 50s, which non-coincidentally is also just after the time frame for when the CIA was formed. <laughs> and this film is anything but an independent film, as the credits clearly show that it was produced under the influence of the Freemason unions that control the industry. Yeah, and he shows that this picture made under the jurisdiction of the AFL-CIO and CLC. Um, There's a specific message that they want you to believe in this film, so be careful as you watch it and look for some of the symbols and ideologies they use to get a clue as to what they want you to believe. Many believe that predictive programming means that the globalists who run the world are giving the public a glimpse into their world by using fiction. For many years, I believe this myself, thinking that these major productions uh, reflected how the world is actually run. However, while that is probably partially true, I now believe almost the exact opposite, that the globalists often first make their plans and then get the free uh, the entertainment industry to write a script for it to introduce it to the public to see how they react before any of this actually happens. 
Or in other words, the, uh, most of the world's major events are first conceived and broadcast as fiction in the entertainment industry before they actually happen so they can see how the public might react to and receive the news when these events occur. If a film is a bust, they probably move on to plan B, plan C, etc. Well, just think of things like Outbreak and Contagion and some of the other movies about pandemics. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, see what you think. I grew up as a child in the 60s, long before the Internet and the digital age, myself as well. But at that time, where most Americans were beginning to be able to afford to purchase a TV for their homes, I remember how our family participated in the Nielsen ratings, where they sent us a booklet that listed all the future TV listings for the coming week. We had to record what shows we watched as well as our reactions to them. This was how they collected data on viewer habits before the digital age. And I wouldn't be surprised if all, uh, at all if the military and intelligence agencies had access to this data even back then. It was probably this data that convinced them that the public was ready for a fake moon landing in 1969. Could be. If indeed this premise is true, that no major false flag events or wars are impl implemented without data first showing that the public is accepting of such an idea as believable based on their viewing habits, then a cyber attack is probably most certainly inevitable in the future, as this movie quickly jumped to number one on Netflix just after it was launched. <laughs> Good grief. And let's see here. Oh, there's a little video here of someone exposing a World Economic Forum false flag coming in 2024. Let's see if I can get this ready to go real quick, and hopefully it's not an hour-long <laughs> deal. Here we go. Well, the World Economic Forum, yes, run by Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum says that we will experience a massive cyber attack that will hit before the year 2025, which will lead to a massive collapse of the banking industry, infrastructure, and so much more. How do they know this? It's unbelievable. Someone who's been following this very, very closely, and it ties even more directly into the story that we've been covering here on the show about the CTI League files, the Michael Schellenberger uh, released files about the uh, cyber spying on Americans. Uh, we're going to get to that part of the story with independent journalist Whitney Webb, who I'm thrilled to welcome back to the show. Whitney, welcome back to Redacted. Hey, it's great to be here after a, a long absence. Thanks for having me back. Of course, we wouldn't miss the opportunity. So thrilled to have you back here. So let's talk about this World Economic Forum idea that at the second in command at the World Economic Forum, that we are going to see a massive cyber attack hitting before the year 2025. Pointing out, you know, in, in great detail, yeah, like this is going to happen, so you better be prepared for it. Why are they saying this and who are they going to try to point the finger at? Right. So this was said at the WEF annual meeting earlier this year in January by uh, the WEF managing director, Jeremy Jurgens. And uh, Jurgens, as well as the WEF itself, has been involved in a series of simulations for several years now that I'm sure a lot of people in your audience are familiar with, uh, called Cyber Polygon, which has been directly affiliated with uh, Russia's government, as well as some of Russia's biggest banks and some of the biggest commercial banks. All right, I'm going to stop there because unfortunately we are out of time. I'm going to uh, put it in the chat room so if anybody wants to, they can grab it and watch it at their leisure. 
It's also going on the Telegram channel, and it's up there now as well. So that's it for today. Take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. And we will see everybody tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. Till then, take care and have a wonderful day and evening and morning tomorrow. Take care and God bless.